that God gives about things uh, from his word. Mercy allows us to love and accept those who do not see and understand the same thing that we feel that we do see and understand. Uh, living faith, faith that God's talking about, and I believe he's talking here is in living faith, faith to, uh, to day by day live, allows us to understand that grace does not negate judgment and the need for mercy. Uh, and so as we go through our lives, we understand that, uh, uh, yes, there's a thing called grace, and we better be glad of it, but it doesn't negate judgment and it does not, uh, and in long as you, so long as you have judgment, mercy is absolutely vital. And so uh, I'll remind you that the great mistake in Christianity today is to eliminate judgment. Uh, that's the great mistake that we're making is that we're eliminating judgment from our repertoire, so to speak. We, we don't want judgment. Uh, you'll hear that this may be one of the most common things that I hear today is don't judge me. Uh, Forgive me, none of us should judge anybody else. We don't have right to. The Word of God judges us all. So if there's no need for mercy, we fail at living by faith. So uh, bottom line, we come down to the Lord has given us 40-plus commands and, and that we've been talking about, been studying about. He concludes this section, so to speak, all these 40 commands that have been basically how to live. And the uh, and. Uh, how to live and implement the commands into our lives and how to handle, and here's another thing that he's been teaching us, how to handle others uh, who apply or fail to apply these commands. And so uh, different people are going to apply the commands in different, different ways and to different levels, different extent, and uh, that's where mercy comes in. And some are going to just not apply a command at all. They're not going to even seek to apply it. And sometimes it's pure ignorance. They just don't know about it. Uh, they don't really realize that God, uh, that Jesus uh, said some things to us that would affect our lives, that would make a difference in our lives. They don't know that. And uh, after the Lord teaches us how important judgment, mercy, and faith are, this leads us into Matthew 24, 3. He says, he then looks to his return and our preparation for that return. Everything up to this point, he's been trying to get us to understand we can have a better life than we're living. He's been trying to get us to understand that he has some issues and he has some commands. He's had some principles for us that are going to give us a better life. It's going to give us a more protected life. It's going to give us a life worth living if we would just simply apply them to our life. Uh, and so, but now he's coming and he's going to say to us that we better be prepared for his coming. And so uh, that begins in, in Matthew 24, verse 3. And as I said, it's going to be a lot of Scripture. Just follow along with me. And he says, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be tr not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and, <clears throat> and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and shall and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. 
And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them be which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give sucked in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, he is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For, whosoever, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and with glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye shall know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye shall see all these things. Know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah uh, entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall be two in the field, and one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken, and the other left. And here's our command, verse 42 and 43. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if a good man of the house had known in, which, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. 
Father, I pray that you bless here this morning, Lord. That was a lot of scripture, Lord. I pray that we would take it to heart. It's such a serious passage. And Lord, it, it doesn't even conclude here, really. It, it continues on for a very long time as illustration. Lord, I pray, please, that you would guide our minds. And Holy Spirit, that you would guide me. You give me clarity of thought. And you give me strength of body and spirit of God. That I would yield myself to thee wholly, completely. And, and you'd anoint me with fresh oils. What an important command. What an important passage of Scripture. Oh, God, please guide us and wrap your arms around us and protect us and turn back the evil that would try to destroy what we talk about today. Lord, uh, if there's something that uh, Satan does not want us to hear and does not want us to focus on, it's the return of Christ. Lord, I pray that you please bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I understand this is a very long passage, and, and truthfully, we're not done reading Scripture right now, but uh, this long passage, truthfully, but it's a very thought-provoking passage, or it should be. Uh, as we read through this, this ought to kind of uh, make our antennas go up, spiritual antennas go up a little bit and start to think, wow, you know what, uh, we kind of get caught up in this life and caught up in this world, and we start to think, well, you know, it's, it's some other time. It's, you know, in the future, somewhere it, it will happen, but God says, you know what, you better be living today like it can happen today. A few verses that should cut to the soul of each of us. I'm going to read again. It says in verse 6, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Now notice this. Uh, wars and rumors of wars. Okay, that's been through the history of mankind. Wars of rumors of wars. Uh, he says, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against king, uh, kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Hey, all this has been going on for a long time and, and has continued to go on. Uh, all these, it says, are the beginning of sorrows. God says, you know, those things are just, those really, those are the foundational things. Those are the things that are going to go on. Uh, they've been going on. They're going to continue to go on. And then shall they, they deliver you up to be afflicted. Now notice this, and shall kill you, and shall, uh, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Uh, if you listen to Christian radio right now, you don't hear it on the public radio, but you listen to Christian radio, all you hear about is the, the persecution of Christians and nation after nation after nation. We don't, we don't really even understand it here, but folks, let me just warn you, it's coming. And so, and, and this verse 10, Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, this is so very close to the day we live in, this whole passage. So many of these are happening in America today, but all of them are happening somewhere in the world right now. All of it's happening. Everything that Christ talked about, it's all happening somewhere. The fact that we so often, we kind of equate everything with what's going on in America. But you understand, there's a big world out there. We're not everything. Now, as the end nears, things will digress and apostasy shall increase. Now, here's what we have to ask ourselves. Or is this where we are? Is that passage of Scripture we just read, is that where we are in history? Is Christ coming very, very soon? It's much like the great debate of the ages and the dispensations. And uh, it just kind of like a little parallel. Uh, the, some believe we're, we're, we are in what's called the Laodicean age. And therefore, it is pretty much in, uh, hopeless to try to win the world of Christ. 
uh, that there's just no need. We're in a, you know, they look at the churches of the Revelation, the seven churches of the Revelation. They feel like, okay, uh, we have come through the different ages and now we're in the Laodicean age. And if you're not familiar with that, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, it says this, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot, uh, cold nor hot. Remember, we talked about that uh, recently. He said, I were, uh, if thou wert, uh, wert cold or hot, uh, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, here's, why, here's what happened to the Laodiceans. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. That sounds like America. And, we, and have need of nothing. That sounds like much of America. Uh, and knoweth not that thou art wretch and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Sound like much of America. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do, uh, do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with thy salve, that, uh, salve that, that thou mayest see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. Now, here's two things about this. This is talking about the church, uh, the Laodicean church. And first of all, uh, people feel like, okay, they, we're in the Laodicean age, and so there's no need of trying to uh, really do much. The, the, the people are, in, we're in apostasy already, and so we're in Laodicean age, and people are not going to be receptive to the gospel. Well, there's two things I want you to understand about that. Number one, even in this scripture, Jesus still said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Even if this was a layout of sin age, Jesus still says, I'm available. I want to see you saved. Now, secondly, let me give you my explanation of different church ages. And some of you may be familiar with, with this, maybe not. This is my, uh, what I believe about it. Throughout history, one church type has been stronger than the others. Throughout history, I think there's been a church that's a, a church type that's probably stronger than the others in certain lands and in certain areas. Look, it, right now in America, there's a, a, a certain type of church that's probably stronger in America than any other church type that's seen in Revelation. But if you go to uh, other lands, if you go to Korea right now, you may find out that there's a different type of church that's stronger. Is much of America made up of a Laodicean church? Yes. But are there still Philadelphia churches in existence as well as the other five? Yes. Will the Laodicean church become stronger as Christ's return draws near? I believe so. But I also believe some of the others will still be in existence to the time of Christ, till he comes. Here's what, regardless we live in a wicked world, there have been churches on fire for God throughout history and churches that were cold as ice and churches that were lukewarm. But the real issue in this command, watch this now, the real issue in this command is not the church. You see, it is you and me 
as individuals. You see, Revelation addresses the condition of the church. The real question in this command is, are we individually prepared? Look again at the command. He said, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in, which, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. You see, he says ye, that's individual. He says the good man, that's individual. He says uh, just about that good man, he says it's a good man. You know, so often we think the guy who's not ready is the bad man, is the wicked man. He says the good man. The good man not the wicked. He, his, is individual. That whole passage is, in, is directed to each of us as an individual. You, this church might be strong as strong could be. It may be a Philadelphia church, but you could be a Laodicean person. Okay, God says, look, every man shall give account of himself to God. Every man's going to stand on, uh, to, before God himself. The whole church won't stand together. Each man will stand. It's an individual thing. We are to be ready individually, not for the attack that will come. Listen, this is another thing that I think we get side, sort of sidetracked in all the chaos that's taking place in here, in the wars and rumors of wars and all this battle and all this hatred. Uh, we're to be, we are to be individually ready, not for the attack that will come, not for the evil that will reign. Christ told us about these things and what would happen so that we're not confused when they happen, so that we are not in doubt as to whether what we believe is right, so that even though uh, we might even doubt our salvation when all the things, when all the evil comes against us. Folks, we, we go into this sometimes even now when we go through a series of negative things. We start to doubt God. We start to doubt even our salvation. We start to doubt uh, the love of God because why in the world would he let all this happen to us? Folks, he tells us what's going to happen to us so we're ready. And understand, look, he already told us it's going to happen, so let's don't be surprised when it happens. That ought to make us believe in him more because he knew it was going to happen. We are to be ready for Christ. If we're to be ready for Christ, then we will be ready for the adversity that comes until Christ comes. And what this passage is, is individually, is telling us, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you individually prepared for him to return? Folks, right now he could return. This moment he could return. That's what that whole passage is talking about. He said, you know, if the good man knew that he returned, you know, if every one of us knew that Jesus is going to be here in 10 minutes, we would be confessing some things right now. We'd be talking to him right now. You wouldn't be hearing a thing I'm saying. You'd be bowing your head and, and unloading the truck on Jesus right now. But we don't know he's coming in 10 minutes. And so we have the tendency to feel like, yeah, I know he's coming, but it's out there. It's like the person you go and witness to, and, and, and they say, not now. And we say, but the Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Better do it now. 
You don't know that you have later. Well, can I tell you, even as a Christian, we don't know we have later to be prepared for his coming. It's right now. I'm going to get this church say amen sometime. Somewhere. Hey, look, when somebody else preaches, I say amen. You don't have to. It's all right. I'm going to make everybody in this room get up here and preach one time. I am, I am. And I'm going to just sit in there and go. There's a new movement that's creating weak Christians. And these Christians will be devastated by what is to come. I've been warning this as a, I've been warning it for, for, for about 10 years now. And I've been saying the next phase in America, if God tarries, is, is atheism. Because we're creating a movement of weak Christianity. And I refuse to have it in, in Calvary Baptist Church. You know, that's why I believe God's brought Mike and Brooke here. For spiritual warfare and, and, and the things that uh, we, we've seen God doing. Because, listen... We've got to understand that's a, it, it's, it's truly it's a false God that we, t- we deliver to people that, that's going to allow everything to go good for us until he comes. We, we just kind of uh, float around until he calls us home because it's all wonderful. Can you all float around with me? For a second? It's all going to go good. That's not what we're headed for, folks. You see, it will not always be, continue to be good as the world calls it good. But it will always, watch this now, it will always work for good. You see, even in the scripture it says being afflicted and killed. You know, even being afflicted and killed will, will work together for God's good. Did you know that... that if one of us has to die for Christ, for the stand for God, if one of us has to die for Christ, we think, how in the world can that be good? Well, to God, it is good because God may use that death to influence others to be prepared for him. You see, if we cannot accept what is coming, If we are in this mindset that God's got to be good and everything's got to go good and if if things are not going well, then then God must be upset at us. Now, look, we live in a world, the world, the flesh, and the devil is just after us at every moment. Every satanic uh, influence uh, that that Satan has, every demonic influence he has, he's trying to take us down. He's trying to bring discouragement. He's trying to to bring intimidation. He's trying to do everything he can to to bring us down, discourage us from living for God. He's trying to do that. Well, we're going to have we're going to have a, a battle in this world, and, and then, then, folks, sometimes we have to just realize we are human flesh, and, so, and we make bad decisions. And you know, bad decisions bring bad consequences. But if we cannot accept what is coming, the fact that there are some negative things that will come into our life, here's what happens. God says that here in the verse. He said, 
He says then, shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Can I tell you, that's what's coming to this nation because we, we have, we've brought in a Christianity that says it's all supposed to be wonderful. And if there is anything that's not wonderful, I'm going to be offended by that. And it says that once you go, once you're offended, it says, watch this, you also betray one another. It's just not a strong faith that says that everything's got to go good because when it doesn't go good, and when, when I'm, uh, my, my life it gets uh, trials and tribulations and problems and issues and negatives, listen to me, when that happens, if we allow that to offend us, we were, we're not only going to turn on God, we're going to turn on each other. And look what he says, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many, and that's that whole false prophet, it's, it's, it's because there's a lot out there that's going to tell you, then see, there's, then God doesn't love you. Why would he let this happen to you? And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax old. Now, this is the explanation of the coming destruction. God does not promise that we will never suffer, but that through it all we have promises to get us through the suffering. Folks, please, uh, you know, Michael preached about it recently, and it's, it's amazing how many times I've, I've had an opportunity to, to just relay that to people, but when, when we're dealing with heaviness, God has an answer. He's, he tells us that we, we, are, we are went out over that heaviness of this world and heaviness of the negatives and heaviness of the discouragement and the issues and the things that don't work. We have a way out of that, and it's called praise. So much of this present-day philosophy is this, and here's what I'm, I'm getting to at this. If a loving God can only do what you consider good, then when he doesn't do good, we must not be serving a loving God. And folks, that's where we, we've got to be careful. Just because things are not the way we want them to be does not mean that God does not love us. But that's the philosophy today. If, 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 this, if a loving God uh, can only, I mean, God loves me and, and only, he can only do what God uh, will, will do that's good and loving toward me. He's only going to do what I believe love is. If he's only going to do what I consider good, then when we suffer, we must not be serving a loving God. And that's just a terrible, terrible belief and a terrible philosophy. When we understand that love and pain can coincide together, this is what, where the real battle is. We have to understand that love and pain can coincide together. Then we can understand that when Jesus tells us to be ready, it is not for the, for the direct hurt that is coming the direct pain that is coming he's not saying be ready for the pain be ready for the trial be ready for the tribulation no he's not saying that he said we are to be ready for him be ready for him you see if we're if we're ready for for who is coming then we'll be ready for the hurt that comes before the who comes
How are we to be ready? This is explained in the remainder of the chapter. Look at verse 45. And again, it's such a, 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 a mis, the comp, uh, miscom, uh, I can't get it. Misinterpretation, maybe that'd be a word. The, um, we, we look at it, we think, okay, I got to be ready for Christ. So I just need to be saved. And then I'm ready. Well, let's see what he says. He says, who then is faithful and a wise servant? Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Do you understand? Servant is somebody who is active. Whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household. Look at this now. To give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing active. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, but and if that evil servant, well, I'll get to that in just a second. Faithful, let's look at that. Faithful to what? Faithful to all that Christ has taught them. You know what? That's why we've been going through these 40 plus commands. Because if we're going to be ready for him to come, we've got to be faithful for, to what he taught us. And in order to be faithful to what he taught us, we've got to know what he taught us. A wise servant and ruler who learned to prepare meat of the, and I believe with all my heart, that, that's, that's such a beautiful picture that God's saying, listen, I need a servant. If you're going to be prepared for me, you need to start learning how to cook. You need to start learning how to get into the meat of the word and not just get the meat for yourself, but know how to deliver it to others. And notice servant. It says is so doing. He's not so waiting or so existing or so enjoying. He's so doing. Listen, this whole thing, Jesus says, if you're going to be ready for me, you better be doing something. Hello, folks? We better be doing something. Now, he's going to go into this in more detail. We're going to talk about it some tonight. But he's going to go into uh, uh, the parable of, of talents and pounds. And, and, and there's two different areas in Scripture that show it. But watch this. He, this is about getting busy preparing for him to come home. But then there's those that are not prepared. And they're described also. Those that are not prepared, they live in the world, eating and drinking with the world. Look at verse 48. It says, but if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. I don't have to worry about it now. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. Do you understand that that's talking about the, the, your life and your activity is with the world? This is not, this is not what... Christ would have us to do and he said with the drunken he said you're going out there living like they do you're going out there and you're finding your your pleasure like they do you're finding as I preached recently your escape like they do the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth Lord, just to me, he makes it very clear. He says, here's, here's, the, here's the, the scriptures that tell you how you can get prepared for my return. 
Here's those that will not prepare. He is not prepared. The evil servant is not prepared for the coming Lord. And notice it does not say they don't believe that he will come, but he delayeth his coming. And here's where we've got to understand. We, we think so often this is talking about the world out there, the evil world out there that doesn't believe in Jesus. No, this says they believe he's coming. He's just not coming now. So since he's not coming now, eat and drink and party for tomorrow, we die. You know, it's an amazing thing, and I've told people this for years. You know, they say, well, I just don't believe, you know, or, or now the, the latest movement is that, uh, you know, this is against a pre-tribulation rapture. And so it's, no, we're going to enter in, and all these things have to happen before the, the rapture comes, which, you know, I'll be honest with you, we're going to get to heaven and find out who's, who's right, and maybe nobody is. But the, but the truth is, I, I look at them and I say, you know, that, that really, I struggle with that because you're detailing out everything that's going to happen and then the rapture's coming, which means you, in your mind you're saying, I, I don't have to worry about a rapture right now. I don't have to worry about Jesus coming to take us home right now because these things have not happened just like I say they're going to happen. And, but, the, but, hey, that means the moment they happen, I'll be ready. Well, I just don't see that in Scripture. Jesus is saying right now, you don't have a clue when he's coming back, and you better be ready every moment. And so it's talking, it could be, in reality, talking to Christians, or at least the religious, because they believe he's coming back. They just don't believe he's coming back now. Now, this implies that churchgoers that, that say they believe he will come but don't believe he could come today, they are living life with the world, in the world, believing that Christ is not coming soon. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not sure that if you don't believe he's coming soon that you can believe that he's even coming. Because I, I really think there's a, there's a real struggle there. But Jesus commands us, man, could everybody just say amen just one time? Thank you. I just want to make sure you're awake or something. I'm going to start videoing these, uh, these sermons, and I'll just show them to you, and I'll sit out there in the crowd and amen that great preaching. <laughs> Jesus commands us to watch, be vigilant, give strict attention to it. That's what watch means, be vigilant, be diligent. And give strict attention to. Now that starts with salvation. You know the truth is. We better be diligent about our salvation. Are we really saved? Give strict attention to God's simple plan of salvation. Again we made it so difficult. But are we really saved? 
Be diligent to God's word and God's plan, the commands of Christ. I think, again, uh, if you pray for it and God will bless, I, I'm going to hopefully somehow, if my wife will do it, uh, compile everything on these commands of Christ. We're going to compile them into a, into a book or some sort of booklet to, to, to be able to hand out to, so that we, if nothing more, just our church members uh, would have those those commands so we can look back and read and reread and realize that that it's very vital christ wouldn't have given them if these things weren't important now they're not going to help me go to heaven but they're going to help me have the right kind of life on my way there they're going to help me be prepared for jesus to come back so are we ready are we watching are we really ready for christ's return do you really know that you're saved now, I, I, I hope I don't embarrass you, but, I, but I, I admire a lady here. Miss Joe Rapay came to me this week. And I've, never, I've really never talked to anybody that has been in church, around church, as long as she has, being so open to just say, basically, tell me if I'm not right here. Tell me what I need to do. And in my office here a couple of days ago, she made sure of her salvation. That's a humbleness of heart. You know what that is? That's being willing to look at the Word of God and say, I want to be ready for Jesus. Now, folks, I don't know how old Miss Repay is, but I know this. The older we get, the harder it is to admit these kind of things. And after she trusted Christ as her Savior, prayed with me and trusted Christ as her Savior and, and, and made sure that it was such a sweet time, she just said, do I need to be baptized? Well, again, I know it makes her a little nervous because last time she got baptized, it was, it was little drops of water she got sprinkled. And she said, looks to me like you get in the water here. I said, yes, ma'am, but I'll pull you up. And I said, matter of fact, I'll bring Mike in here and he'll help get you up. <laughs> That's just a simple, humble heart that says, I got to be ready. I want to be ready. You know, none of us are perfect, but, it, but boy, when we desire to grow, that's pretty that's pretty impressive to Jesus. Or we just bow our knees and say, Lord, teach me. So she asked me this morning, she said, should I come forward and let the people know? I guess you don't have to. No, I, I'd like for you to, uh, I'd like you to consider, are you sure? Because that's the first step to being ready. It's the first step to watching. And then after that, if you know you're going to heaven, are we really getting ready for him to return? Because I, I don't tell you, there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me, and I'm sure about Scripture and everything else, but I just personally 
don't see that there's anything else that needs to be done for him to return. He could come today. He could come at this moment. I think the reason he really doesn't tell us for sure is because he knows we'd go run up our credit cards. Now, are you sure? Sure of your salvation? Are you sure that you and your heart are desiring to prepare, believing he could come today? Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your goodness to us. Lord, I pray that you please touch the hearts of our people, that we would be a, a church corporately, but Lord, that's just individuals that would be preparing for your coming. And Lord, when I preach this, when I read this, I'm almost hesitant every moment, wondering if I'll hear the sound, if I'll hear if it'll happen while I'm praying, if it'll happen while we gather, if it'll happen while we're on our knees in prayer. Lord, if, if it would just be your will, I, I would sure love to be on my knees. I'd sure love to be walking and praying when you come. I want to be prepared. And Lord, I know I don't have to be in an actual physical prayer time when you come to be prepared but Lord that would just be a joy Father I pray that uh, we would get closer to you as we prepare for your coming as you commanded us to do let's all stand and with heads bowed if, if you'd like to come and like I said if we knew that the Lord would come I said at 12 o'clock if he did then we're all left it's after 12 o'clock but if he could come at 12 15 would we be ready this would be an opportunity and if you do you know for sure